0: Alrighty, hello and welcome back to Unqualified Analysis. The show with zero qualifications, zero credentials, that just keeps firing off takes, opinions, and every last drop of energy I have left in the tank uh, Anyways, so yeah uh, If you thought I was tired last time My goodness, ladies and gentlemen I'm I'm running on fumes now So we're going to get through this I've got my caffeinated drink next to me though It's cold, so I can just direct inject it into my digestive system Don't got to worry about that pesky heat burning My my lips, mouth, throat, all that stuff No, nah, no, nah nah, nah, nah. Keep it cold Shove that shit straight down my throat In the most non-sexual way possible Anyways, today What else would I be doing today? We are right up against game time. Well, I mean, it's it's Thursday when you're listening to this. So not right up against game time, but we're getting right down to it. It's the last episode of the week. And since it's the closest episode to game time, of course, this is where we got the game preview at, folks. And of course, the Super Bowl is here. I'm equal parts excited. Also depressed. I'm trying to push the depression as far back in my mind as possible because, well, you know, I can get to the depression for the next month or so once this game is over and football season is done. Right now, I'm excited for this game because it is two best teams that we got left. You know, the cream rose to the top. Either way, I'm getting, I'm already getting into the Super Bowl preview, and I'm just, I'm just too excited, just too excited to get to it. So. Why not, just, why not just stop this rambling intro and just get on into it, shall we? It is the Super Bowl preview. We're doing the whole damn episode. I don't know how long this thing is going to go, but I, I went deep on this one. So let's just dive right in there, go right down to the bottom and see if we can't get back up before we drown. Let's do it, folks. Kind of a morbid place my brain went to there with the drowning, but either way, it is what it is. We're just going to breeze right past it. I'm Yeah, I've already said I'm tired. You don't care. I've already said it once. You get the point. Don't need to say it again, so I won't say it again. Anywho, from a Tree Taps perspective, from just an overview before we get down to the minutiae, I mean, it's been a long, twisting road, but after all the uncertainty, all of the trials, the tribulations, the who's going to end up being at the top when it's all said and done, who's going to come out of each of these conferences, the cream rose at the top. We've got clearly the two best teams in the league squaring off for the championship. And not only are the, the two best teams, they've gotten to this point with totally different philosophies on offense. Obviously, Eagles have a higher level of play on defense, but fundamentally, they both kind of try and do similar things. You know, rush the passer, turn the ball over where you can. I e- Eagles were just that on steroids this season, but Chiefs defense, they've gotten better and better as the season has gotten on. Still, very serviceable in their own rights, and when you got Chris Jones up front, that could make up for a whole lot of uh, uncertainty on the back end, if I do say so. Anyways, outside of the defensive side of the ball, offensively, obviously not talking about special teams here, so offensively, Eagles have leaned into the rushing opportunities afforded to you by having a high-level rushing quarterback like Jalen Hurts. And I mean, maybe the highest level in the NFL outside of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's on a, a level all on his own as far as running is concerned. But as far as pure vision and running the football... Outside of the speed factor that you just can't account for, I think Jalen Hurts is probably the most skilled one in the entire league at that. They use Hurts to confuse the defense in a lot of cases, then hand it to one of those, I don't know, three, four, five, six, seven backs that they have back there, and it's off of the races. And Nick Sirianni has been so good at play designing. Um, The use of misdirection to freeze a defense um, and putting that elite offensive line in advantageous positions that even when it's just a routine handoff, sometimes these guys are just running with to wide open grass. No one even in front of them because it's just such an, a well-executed, uh, play and such a good concept in the first place on the play and I mean eight to ten yards untouched a lot of these times and that dynamic run game changes the math for defenses quite frankly they got to commit more numbers underneath they got to commit for more focus to it as well you get yourself in a blender mentally and the next thing you know uh Jalen Hurts is get gets those big playmakers involved on the outside and it's off of the races there as well he'll get them make you pay with that deep ball and probably the biggest and most glaring improvement of Jalen Hurts is game this year quite frankly I've said it a million times at this point I think I, I try to make uh, a once an episode mention of it at, at this point but it's it's worth mentioning every damn time out here Jalen Hurts is I mean one year jump in deep ball accuracy it's one of the more impressive things I've seen since the Josh Allen jump quite frankly And that's the that's the comp he's been getting this year with how much better he is and it's more than anything obviously he had some some accuracy issues in the intermediate that he's solved this year to a certain extent but the deep ball accuracy has gotten so much better from a mechanic standpoint from how you throw it that long arcing ball the accuracy obviously it's just it's opened up a new level to his game especially oh by the way when you get A.J. Brown doesn't hurt in that factor as well this offense with Jalen Hurts at the helm damn near impossible to stop at this point as for the Chiefs on the other side They got Andy Reid. Don't worry, we'll get to that in just a second as far as him and the Eagles go. Put a pin in that for now. Let's focus on the X's and O's. So the running game, it's a factor, but the quarterback is the straw that stirs the drink here, and everyone knows that. And when you've got the most dynamic player to ever play the position, fight me if you disagree, he is unquestionably that at this point, Patrick Mahomes. Passing 40 times a game, pretty much a no-brainer, quite frankly. He had a, Andy Reid had a little bit more balanced offense, a little bit more think-and-dunk style offense when he was in Philadelphia. And now that he's got Patrick Mahomes, he's like, wow, I didn't know life could be this explosive all the time. And I'm not talking about the diarrhea from the big-time meals you have. I'm talking about the plays on the field. I'm not even sure where I'm going, but I'm going to keep it moving. It's the misdirection. It's It's jet sweeps, screens, short option routes. And then all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey starts dicing you up in the middle. Marquez valdez Scantling, Marquez, by the way, I've been saying Marquez all this time. He says Marquez in the actual game intro, so I'm just going to go with Marquez. Marquez valdez Scantling streaking down the middle for a 50-yard gain. Juju goes streaking down the sideline for 30, and we are off for the races. They just put 30 on you in a quarter. I'm not sure they've actually done that, but you get the point. It feels like they do that all the time, and just when you've sold out to stop the pass, Isaiah Pacheco, breaks off one of those physical runs where he just finishes like he's got titanium bones and can never break any one of them, which he will one day, but it's going to be a fun ride up until then. And as he as has always been the case with Pat Mahomes at QB, life comes at you fast sometimes when you play the Chiefs. It could be close, and then all of a sudden... It's not. It's a three-touchdown game. It's it's almost like like you're playing in college again when you're just playing a team that you know might be a little bit more talented than you. At, at any point, they could just explode and just take you by storm, and it's just over after a three-, four-minute span. Basically, the Chiefs have that on the strength of one player, Patrick Mahomes, right now. And it's two very different philosophies, them and the Eagles. Two top offenses in the league, though, this is why a football is so damn interesting to me, man. There are infinite permutations to build a successful team. Just depends on your preference. Obviously, you got to be innovative with it. That's the strain that holds the glue together, if that even makes sense. The, the strain that holds this, this together at this point is that they're all innovating what they're doing. Obviously, Nick Sirianni with what he's doing with the run game. It's not. It's not the Kyle Shanahan run scheme that you're trying. A lot of teams are just trying to copy and paste into new areas. Obviously, there's elements of that, but he's made it all his own. Gotten very creative with a very mobile quarterback. And Andy Reid speaks for himself. I don't even. I don't even need to go into that sicko's mind when it comes to designing plays. He he did ring around the rosy. Got bored one day. Drew up ring around the rosy. Put it in the playbook. Just disrespectfully threw it in week 18 we don't got anything to play for (laughs) ha 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 we're gonna just clown on you get a flag that's the only reason we didn't get a touchdown in that play I mean just the offensive minds nowadays are just insane I kind of trailed off there at the end but you guys get it I only got so much time here anyways doesn't get a whole lot better than this from a a pure on the field standpoint but we also got some history that makes this game even more significant I mean first off First ever Super Bowl between uh, starting black quarterbacks. We generally suck as a society. I mean, I don't even need to get into everything that we've been through over the past several years and will continue to go through over the past decade, uh, two decades, 300 years. I mean, we'll just have to see how it goes. But, hey, would you look at that? Progress is slow but constant. Hopefully we get there, but it is what it is. We're not perfect. But like a glacier, we are slowly moving in the right direction. Hopefully, you never know; these things are quite unpredictable. I don't even know who's to say. Anywho, less society, less societally relevant, but still cool as hell, man. Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey will be the first brothers to square off as players in the Super Bowl, and not only are they tra- their starters, rather, uh, obviously, duh. Um. They're both probably the best at their respective positions in the NFL right now. Travis Kelsey, Needs no introduction, obviously, but I'm not sure the casual fan realizes just how dominant Jason Kelsey has been this year and in previous years. Really, a dominant stretch since the last Super Bowl and even before that, he was one of the holdovers from that previous team along with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, probably also Lane Johnson, I believe, a few other guys in there as well. Not going to bore you with the names here, but... If you can remember all the way back to last offseason, there was a question whether Jason Kelsey would even play until he put out that legendary video drinking a beer, telling the people he's coming back for one last ride I mean, just an, an awesome, awesome moment on Twitter. Awesome day. You, you need those sorts of moments to get through offseason sometimes. But then all he did was come out and be the most athletic center in in the game. Once again, at kind of an older age, I think LeGarrette Blunt said it the other day on Pat McAfee's show, he's doing this and he's old right now. I'm not going to say it. He's older than me, but still, if if his age is old, man, old is creeping up fast, and that's a scary, scary thought. Anyways, that's why he's such a problem for defenses though that athleticism he's slightly undersized I think he's about 270 a little bit shorter than the average offensive lineman Uh, that's why he plays center though also he's one of the smartest guys in the field if not the smartest guy in the field probably couldn't play any other position except center at his size but the lack of physical stature comes with incredible mobility for an offensive lineman he was a running back in high school I believe, and. My God, that's a scary thought. Quite frankly, him being a running back, he probably ran through just about everyone on the planet when he was in high school. Uh, He's got quick feet uh, to get good position in his natural spot, and his low center of gravity makes him a weapon of a battering ram in that QB sneak game, which is basically just, it's a rugby scrum. You get one guy on each ass cheek, and you just go to daylight pretty much, and Jalen Hurts squats like... 500 600 pounds so he just moves the pile on his own in addition to the two big guys pushing from behind him it is a literal unstoppable play uh it'll get you a yard yard and a half two yards every single time if you're in short yardage situation like fourth and one it for some teams and actually for most teams even you got to really think about fourth and one think uh as far as field position is concerned. Like if you're on your own, like 30 or something, you're not going for fourth and one. If you're the Eagles and you're at fourth and one, it doesn't matter at what point you're on the field. You just get in the QB sneak, you do the rugby scrum and you get a yard and a half because you know you're going to get it every single time. Doesn't matter what happens. It's it's automatic at this point. It's the most unstoppable play in football. I could go on and on and on about it, but you get it. Jason Kelsey's the driver of that to, the, to a big extent. And what really makes him what really makes him a weapon is his ability to pull around the outside to, to pull as a center, which you don't see a whole lot of centers do, and use that speed, that running back speed, high school running back speed, give him the credit where it's due, but yeah, you get it. Just to make him a giant fullback, pretty much. The momentum. Might be an undersized offensive lineman, but you get him out on in space against linebackers, defensive backs, they don't want none of that, especially since they can't go low anymore. They just got to take that and get bodied by, uh, sometimes it's Trent Williams, in this case it's going to be Travis, not Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. So, I feel like that play design alone has led to some of the biggest plays for the Eagles on the ground all season just Jason Kelsey snapping the ball, running out on the edge, and generally when he gets out on the edge and he gets his body on a man, I mean, it's just wide open grass pretty much for whatever running back happens to be there. You can't run it every play, otherwise it wouldn't have the same effect, but when they run it, it seems to work just about every damn time. This may be his last game in uniform, so... Yes, Travis Kelsey deserves credit in his own right, but we need to take a moment right now to appreciate the greatness of Jason Kelsey because I don't think it's talked about enough. I think he probably should be a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Quite frankly, I don't know what the the Pro Bowl numbers are as an offensive lineman. That's kind of the litmus test, unfortunately. But two time Super Bowl champion, dominant player when he's on the field and at the height of his his powers at an advanced stage in his career. I put that guy in the Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. Also, after they won the first Super Bowl, he came out in a mummer's outfit, which if you don't remember that picture, do yourself a favor, go Google that real quick, because just Google the video, actually, because he got on the stand, I don't know how many beers he had drank beforehand, but he came out hot, and I'm hot angry, probably hot physically as well in that mummer's outfit. He's a big boy in, in a very colorful I would assume very warm sort of uh, sort of get up there, and he just excoriated everyone who had um, dared to, to criticize the Eagles all season, all off season, and I mean he hit basically everything. And yeah, that do yourself a favor and, and go look that up but just for that Super Bowl trophy wasn't trophy presentation, but Super Bowl parade moment alone. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame by himself, but on the field great great player both brothers are vying for their second super bowl in this one so have to stay tuned and find out which one wins and of course getting back to it now one that has kind of flown under the radar at least for me up until recently i don't know what the morning talk shows are are talking about they generally have to fill the air so i'd imagine the andy Reid playing his old team in the super bowl the philadelphia eagles thing has kind of made its way around but I'm I'm gonna get to it now because it hasn't really occurred to me up until recently here but spent some of the best years in his career in in Philadelphia I don't think Andy Reid is a very revenge-minded person I, I think he's he parted ways with the Eagles a long long time ago and he's had a lot of successful years in Kansas City hell won a Super Bowl in Kansas City so you could argue he's had better years in Kansas well not just an argument, he's definitely had better years in Kansas City than he ever had in Philadelphia, so I don't think he's too broken up about it. But I'm I'm sure they've buried the hatchet to a certain extent, so I don't really expect any animosity, but, however, that doesn't mean a win here against his old team for a second Super Bowl wouldn't taste a little bit extra sweet, just, just a little bit. And one more definitive poke in the side, like, hey, I'm over. I'm over it now. Like I'm. I'm not too upset about it anymore. But you know, you were wrong, right? Like, like when you let me go back in the day, and you hired Chip Kelly, and then you fired him after a little bit, and I think they they drove Hallie Roseman out of the out of the building, and then brought him back to. Um. You, you know, you were wrong, right? And they can they can say, yeah, we know, but also we we're doing all right now, and you better believe. Maybe Andy Reid isn't personally using it as motivation, but you best believe the players are using that, that storyline of Andy Reid playing against his old team that didn't want him for the longest time. Well, not for the longest time, but just one offseason. Hey, keep it together, Cable. Either way, I think they're going to take, take anything you give them, and this is just low-hanging fruit at this point win one for the coach beat the old team shove it in their face the emotions will be charged up for this one more than even a usual Super Bowl I would imagine I think it's truly shaping up to be a classic I just hope to God it turns out that way because I'm I'm trying to go to the off season with a bang here and then be depressed for the next two weeks or so anyways now that we've set the stage. Let's get into the actual matchup itself. We're getting into the X's and O's. Time to stop setting all of this bullshit out and let's let's talk about the facts here. Let's talk about the Jimmys and Joes and whatnot. Let's get into it. Keys to the game and matchups to watch. And I think I'm going to hit basically every area of the field outside of special teams. Sorry, I would hit special teams. But it's a waste of time, waste of breath. I don't know a goddamn thing about it. Y'all don't know a goddamn thing about it either. So I'm just spewing bullshit to people who don't know any better. I'm sometimes in the business of that, I suppose. But not in this case, not with special teams. So As far as offense and defense is concerned, like the, the main matchups we all think about as fans, I get into just about every area here. But starting off, and the one that just popped readily into my mind right out the gates will the one man wrecking crew of Chris Jones be enough to neutralize the Eagles offensive line? And usually that answer is yes. Jones can find a weak spot and exploit it almost with the best of them. But I'm not sure there is a guy you can look at on the Eagles offensive line and say, that's someone we can pick on. I'm you 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 find a, a weak spot, I'll tell you good luck there. Maybe Landon Dickerson or Isaac Sayamalu I've heard a little bit more on Landon Dickerson, so that might be the button you want to press, but the problem with that is it's hard to get a straight one one on one with a guard. You know, it's basically the guards are the most protected guys on the field, is not not on the field, but most protected guys in the offensive line. Um, you're confined to doing either a straight bull rush or making a move towards a tackle generally because Jason Kelsey's entire job is often if, if you got four rushers generally it's it's one on one on the other four guys and then Jason Kelsey is sitting there like, okay, if one of my guards is is starting to fall behind, I'm going to kill his man real quick. And generally, um, that's the case. In this case, I think he's just going to default. I'm going to kill Chris Jones uh, if, if he's next to me and I don't have a guy on me. So what you need to do is, I think, I think Steve Spagnuolo needs to get creative and a very targeted at that with the way he uses the blitz and passing situations to basically ensure that Chris Jones gets a clean one-on-one with the guy of your choice. You can do that in a variety of ways too. I mean, it just basically comes down to matching five rushers with five offensive linemen or... Or, or, I'm not a seal, I'm just saying or here, using some deception to get an overload on one side, which basically guarantees pressure if you don't get the ball out quickly, which if they identify it, there's a good chance they shift protection and get the ball out quickly. It's all about disguise here, subterfuge, my friends. But sticking with the theme of five-on-five, that obviously keeps Chris Jones from being double-teamed unless you just allow someone to come free. Either way, it's not a guarantee of pass rush success, but it gives Chris Jones some space to operate, if nothing else. So, The main thing is making sure it making sure it's as hard as possible to double team Chris Jones and punish them if they do double team Chris Jones by blitzing elsewhere and getting pressure that way either way you gotta get pressure on Patrick Mahomes I mean it's better than leaving him in a clean pocket either way he's probably gonna kill you but might as well try and move him off the spot when he's still healing from that uh that ankle injury what am I talking about I it's Chris Jones I'm talking about I'm not talking about I just got myself confused there at the last second and again, I need a day off. I'm taking a day off here tomorrow. As, as you're listening to this, I may be hiking through the mountains at this point. I don't know who's to say, but either way, I got myself confused there. You want to get some pressure on Jalen Hurts either way, make his life a little bit miserable. Um, try to keep him in the pocket where you can, but Chris Jones, that's the one guy up front that really scares you. You got to find a way to get him in advantageous situations, but salvage it at the end. I'm rambling now. Let's just get on to the next point. How will the Chiefs' offensive line deal with the historic Eagles pass rush on the other side of the ball? Uh, just working from the line of scrimmage out, I suppose. Did you know these are the top two pass rushing teams in the league by total sacks? Yeah, the Chiefs are number two at 55, and you know, not a not a bad not a bad little season total there. It would lead in most years, I think. But and uh, the Eagles are the number one by about 70 miles, give or take, and they're at 70 total sacks in the regular season. They're the first team to have four different players with 10 plus total sacks. You got Hassan Reddick leading the team and tied for second in the league with 16. Also tied for first in forced fumbles. Monster season for Hassan Reddick. Can you believe the Cardinals played him as inside linebacker? What dipshits. Uh then Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat all finished with 11. Josh Sweat did it in 16 games. They are just Loaded from top to bottom. They may have the best NASCAR package in the entire game. You got four guys all the way across who have 10 sacks. Though you'd have to take out Fletcher Cox, which I'm never about. You got to keep Fletcher Cox in there. He's a damn savage. You got to keep him out there. I mean, also hail, hail goddamn state. He doesn't necessarily rep Mississippi State anymore, but hail goddamn state out there. Um. Anyways, that's, that's 70. It's the best sack mark since the eighties and the 2000 Saints, only ones that came close in the modern era was 66 that season lucky number obviously and obviously that led to a super bowl you know when you go with satan that's what you get at the end of the day but that's all to say they're having the eagles are having the best pass rush season in the modern era right now we've not seen anything like this since since the days when you could physically take the quarterback's head Smack it on your knee and then dribble it off the ground like a basketball and you wouldn't even get a flag for it. That's the time. I mean, we're talking about 89 Vikings at 71, 70 or 84 Bears at 72. I mean, we're talking old, old school defenses here. And they haven't really slowed down much in the postseason have the Eagles. In two games, they've racked up eight total sacks, only slightly below the regular season pace All of this is to say the Chiefs offensive line has got the deck stacked against them in this one. They've got to get creative with it. A lot like the Chiefs have to get creative on the other side with getting pressure on Jalen Hurts. This is a game where a smart back like Jarek McKinnon, a veteran that has done this for a long, long time, really comes in handy. Yes, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. We all know that. I think he set the record this year for most touchdown catches touchdown receptions specifically by a back in the nfl history but in this game however his main value will be helping to get the protection set and assisting in pass protection where needed as well i think he's not going to necessarily have big numbers in this game but he is going to be a lot of the brain of the protection when it comes to identifying blitzes and making sure he keeps his quarterback clean. I would assume he's going to get ample looks out of the backfield as well. He's quite valuable in that way. But they need, and I mean need him, if they're going to survive this vaunted pass rush right now. A big question mark that also affects this, though. How much of a difference has two weeks of rest made For Patrick Mahomes on that high ankle sprain. I I think it's probably fair to say there's been some good progress made. I don't think we're going to be seeing quite as much the immobile quarterback that we saw last time out. Not that he was totally immobile back there, but you get what I'm saying. I assume he'll be a little bit more capable of sudden direction changes than what we saw in the AFC championship game but how and what kind of physical limitations will we see or or will he still have when he's out there? We won't really know until game time, and I would assume the Chiefs are going to keep that as much under wraps as possible until game time. Mahomes' ability to maneuver in the pocket and extend plays is the big wild card in and out of the pocket, quite frankly, is the big wild card for the effectiveness of the Eagles pass rush. If he's Closer to hundred percent. I'm not sure they still have got a snowball's chance in hell. Just because Patrick Mahomes is processing things so much faster than everyone else on the football field right now, and he's more talented than everyone else too. I say again, he's the best to ever do it. You're gonna come around to my side eventually. Even even if you're angry, I'm saying that you'll come around eventually. I know. I know. Tom Brady just walked out the door, but I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to already say he's gonna be number two you know i'll even i'll even throw you this bone to people on the on the tom brady train right now right now tom brady has got the greatest career of all time no no two ways about it i'm not even sure patrick mahomes when it's all said and done as far as championships success all of that tom brady greatest winner of all time i'll give you that bone um have you watched patrick mahomes play before that's that's all i got uh that's that, that, that's all i got also have you seen andy reed coach before because basically that's the new brady belichick right there i don't know how many super bowls they're gonna win it's gonna be hard to win as many as brady but that guy's gonna have the greatest career of all time when it's all said and done he's the greatest quarterback of all time come fight me if you believe anything different uh anyways what was i even saying before i went off on that tangent If Pat Mahomes can do a little more of that improv we saw before the high ankle sprain, the Eagles' pass rush will certainly have an effect, but Mahomes will ultimately ultimately cancel that out. Um, If he can only do straight rollouts, again, I would anticipate a a few good sacks in there to be taken throughout the course of the game. More than usual anyways, that's going to be, again, big wild card. Mahomes' mobility, specifically change of direction. Is he able to do it a little bit more effectively than what we saw two weeks ago? We will find out. Anyways, another matchup to watch. Let's move on to the secondary here. We're talking about Eagles secondary versus Pat Mahomes, keeping on that theme that we just talked about. Pat Mahomes now, he cancels out the pass rush. What is the secondary going to do? Either way, you got to keep asking yourself, what is the secondary going to do versus Pat Mahomes and the receivers, all of them? Assuming that Pat Mahomes will still be launching piss missiles down the field, as he always did, this is most likely where the game will be won and lost for the Eagles when it's all said and done. It's the best pass rush, or not pass rush, or best passer in the league versus the best pass defense by a good margin, even better than the vaunted Broncos defense. They, have, they haven't been challenged Challenged in the postseason, but that will change on Sunday. If they let Mahomes dice them up like the Bengals did, it's going to be a long, long day. Though, if the Bengals showed us one thing throughout that, they did only lose 23-20 on a, a boneheaded penalty. Love O'Sai, obviously, I actually still don't know the guy, but everyone seems to love O'Sai, so feel bad for him, but call a spade a spade. It was a boneheaded play at the end there. If not for that, Who knows what happens in overtime, but if there's one thing we learned from all that is that bend but not break works versus the Chiefs if you can execute it to an effect that Lou Anarumo was able to to scheme up there um, in the AFC Championship game. If the Eagles can hold firm, limit explosive plays, get a turnover here and there, that will give them the best chance they're going to get to get a win in this thing, quite frankly. The pass rush and the secondary work in tandem on this, however. The more success the pass rush has, the easier job uh, the secondary ends up having on the back end there. I'm not breaking any news. This is just how football generally works. But it's all going to depend how the pass rush does. That's that's what's going to really affect this more than anything else. But it, it comes down to the secondary to make plays when they present themselves, if they present themselves. Again, it all kind of depends on what Mahomes comes out looking like. Not that it's ever easy against Mahomes, but if that guy is just allowed to roam untouched and extend plays, this thing is going to turn into a nightmare real quick for the Eagles defense, and you're going to see the best pass defense in the league looking foolish like Pat Mahomes has done to everyone else because he's Michael Jordan. Um, Anyways... Next up, we've got, will the Chiefs lean more into the run game given the relative weakness in that area for the Eagles? This is one I'm really interested to see the answer to. I mean, it's the one relative issue that has plagued the Eagles all year. Great pass defense, great pass rush. They're opportunistic when it comes to taking the ball away. I think top three in the league in interceptions. Uh, One of the best turnover teams in the NFL. But when it comes to stopping the run, Kind of just middle of the pack. That's the that's the one weak spot in the defense. They were squarely in the middle of the pack and rushing yards allowed and rush touchdowns at 16th and 15th in the league, respectively. And they were bottom 10 in the league. Number 9, actually, at 4.7 yards per carry allowed. And that's actually the exact yard per carry average that the Chiefs offense has run for this season. They're 8th in the league getting 4.7 yards per carry On offense, So it seems like a little strength on weakness action there for the Chiefs that they can really exploit. It's the one part of that defense that I think if you press hard enough and you press persistently enough, things begin to unravel and you can kind of poke some holes in that pass defense that way. I don't expect the Chiefs to kind of run every down because the very thought probably makes Andy Reid physically and violently ill but I also don't expect the Eagles to devote an ounce of extra help down into the box because personally if I have to pick between Isaiah Pacheco and Pat Mahomes of who to kill me I'm picking Isaiah Pacheco I think he's going to do it more viciously it's probably going to hurt more but Pat Mahomes is a sure and quicker death and I just I'd like to die slowly in this case I would expect the Eagles to feel the exact same way although maybe a little bit less morbid framing but you understand that is all to say the opportunity to run the ball is going to be there all game if Andy Reed wants to take that route. And I think he's going to, to a certain extent, it's just a matter of how much the Chiefs could control the game in that sense if they, they play their cards right. Then from there, all it takes is one little lapse in concentration on a play action, you Got the secondary. Maybe they're not in the box, but they're aware that the run game is going very well. All it takes is one little mistake, one little mental lapse. All of a sudden, Travis Kelsey's dancing in the end zone. MVS and Juju are making big plays, and we are off to the races. You've scored three touchdowns right away, and you just don't know what's happened. The Chiefs just happened. Pat Mahomes just happened. That's going to be an aspect to watch in this game. How much will Andy Reid take advantage of that mismatch? in the run game i would imagine it's going to be a little bit more emphasis than usual but again won't know till game time that is going to be another one to watch there next up how will the chiefs stop this vaunted eagles rushing attack now 32 touchdowns this year again 32 touchdowns this year on the ground that's how many the eagles ran for this season Next closest was Dallas with 24. That's eight touchdown difference between the first place Eagles and the second place Dallas Cowboys. Also in the same division, shout out to those two teams, I suppose. Uh, 56 rushing touchdowns between two teams in the same division. Boy, they like to run the ball down there. They finished 5th in total rushing yards, did the Eagles, and 3rd in attempts behind the Bears and Falcons, who were, if you remember, basically running option offenses this season because they had quarterbacks that they just didn't trust throwing the ball down the field. Or, in Justin Fields' case, were just so special athletically that it's more advantageous to build the offense around his legs at this point in his career. And those two teams don't have the explosive passing capability that the Eagles' offense does in addition to that running game, and they get it more effective than those teams as far as touchdowns scored. I say again, this is a damn near impossible offense to defend when it's firing on all cylinders. I would say it is an impossible offense to defend when it's firing on all cylinders with Jalen Hurts at the helm. But if you're going to defend against it, that starts with finding a way to bottle up the run more than anything else. The Chiefs, to their credit, by the numbers, been pretty solid against the run this year. They're eighth in yards allowed, finished tied for six in rushing touchdowns allowed, with just ten all season. They got possibly the best defensive tackle in the game in Chris Jones, and a couple of dogs in the linebacking core with. Nick Bolton and Willie Gay being dynamic run defenders, maybe not the greatest in the passing game, but we'll get to that in a bit. Hale State, by the way, they're they're well-equipped uh, personnel-wise to handle what comes at them in the run game. But to be fair, they also finished with the 6 fewish rushing attempts against them because, you know, they were playing from in front, not a whole lot of rushing opportunities in that case. Um, they were 18th in yards per carry allowed, and this is by far the best and most uniquely challenging rushing offense that they've lined up against this season and probably will line up against all next season as well unless they face the Eagles again. Obviously, it starts by containing Jalen Hurts and his running ability. That's the theme that kept the Eagles relatively in check on on the ground versus the 49ers, despite getting hung out to dry by Brock Purdy's UCL injury and also Josh Johnson banging his head on the ground. Um... Still kind of would love to see what Christian McCaffrey running the offense would have looked like there. Would have been a, a total shit show in its own right, but it would have been less less depressing, more on the fun side of bad. That's, you know, a, a, something to consider next time, Kyle Shanahan. Maybe be a little bit more fun in the playoffs, all right? Just, just think about the fans next time when you're trying to win a game. Um, the Niners do also have probably the best uh, inside linebacker tandem in the league with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, though, so... It wasn't exactly like they they schemed the Eagles' offense to death. They just absolutely outmanned them. Quite frankly, I think the focus on Jalen Hurts should be the focal point for the Eagles or for the Chiefs rather, as well as as well. But that comes with the caveat that just like the Niners, if they really want to shut down the Eagles' run game, those linebackers have to have some crazy recovery speed. And they gotta they gotta recognize a the mistake they make quickly because. It's a strategy that will put them in some less than favorable situations in the traditional running game. If you just stick to Jalen Hurts the entire time to just focus on stopping him, the Eagles' defense is going to have, a, have to have to make a few of those Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw type of plays by taking a few runs that look like they might go for twenty. Talking about the the Nick Sirianni scheming up plays jason kelsey blocking for plays where they're just wide running into wide open space not touched for touch for 10 yards you got to tear in a few of those plays that look like they're going to go for 20 into five or six yards make it so they don't get a first down out of it that's how the niners were ultimately able to contain the running game over the course of the entire game even when they were just getting punched in the face over and over and over again because they didn't have they had an offense that was going three and out in every single series on the other side Lord willing, the Chiefs will have Pat Mahomes to keep some pressure off them, unlike the Niners. So the cumulative effect will likely be mitigated with an actual offensive threat on the other side. Also, by the way, that just popped in my head. Could you imagine Pat Mahomes with Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> I can't imagine it'd be that much more fun than, than Andy Reid, quite frankly. So I, I take that back. Andy Reid is the more fun of those options, but man, imagine imagine Pat Mahomes with a run game that he knows could close out a game every single time. My goodness my goodness it just it makes me makes me warm inside thinking about it but not, a, not an easy game plan by any stretch of the imagination, but it's the only way to slow down the equals, quite frankly. Starts with Jalen Hurts. If you play the, this running running game straight up, Jalen Hurts will absolutely kill you on the ground, and he'll use that success on the ground to make his passes impossible to cover like I laid out before. You're always wrong if his legs are going well. If you take away those legs, if you take away that running aspect of his game, if I'm not saying play dirty, but maybe if you know which shoulder is hurt, maybe try and jar that shoulder a little bit to disincentivize future running in the, well, future going forward. You understand what I'm saying. If you take away his legs, he becomes an easier uh, guy to defend, though still obviously a formidable challenge. Uh, Really, I guess asked the 49ers last week, but they really didn't ask Jalen Hurts to ever win the game. So not sure. We'll just have to see how it works out there. And... Sticking with that Jalen Hurts theme, can the Chiefs, that on defense, force turnovers from Jalen Hurts? This this one kind of works in tandem with stopping the run. If you limit the effectiveness of the Eagles' ground game, it makes the assignment in the passing game a little bit more straightforward. You don't have to worry about the possibility of Jalen Hurts getting out of the pocket. Is he going to run? Is he going to dump it down to somebody for a good game? I don't know. Either way, you're wrong, no matter what you choose, because he's just reading off of what you decide no disrespect to Nick Sirianni's passing concepts, but the most lethal plays in this arsenal are built on the back of a successful rushing attack. You take that away, and all of a sudden, you can play some games on the back end and, and see if you can fool Jalen Hurts into throwing you a gift or two, which he hasn't really done all season. I, I laid out earlier in the season, he kind of had, a, had some struggles late in the year with that shoulder injury, but early in the year, I mean, he was throwing basically an interception a month for the first three, four months of the season. He has been crazy efficient. It's the it's the thing that kept him on the field for as long as he has been on the field and kept him in the starting lineup to a point where he could turn himself into a damn good NFL starting quarterback. He's been one of the best in the league at holding on to the ball all season, and he's still yet to commit a turnover in the postseason thus far, but he also hasn't really been asked to carry them to victory just yet. He will in this one, I, I believe, if it comes down to that, they blew the Giants out of the water in the divisionals. Then the quarterback injuries basically made the conference championship a cakewalk even though the the offensive numbers weren't stellar. They just beat them to death basically. It was I mean, it was like watching murder on live television. Wasn't wasn't awesome, pretty depressing. I might be emotionally scarred from it. But the Chiefs will unquestionably be the biggest whole team challenge they've faced all postseason, probably all year at that, as is generally the case with Steve Spagnuolo defenses. Uh, they started the season looking like utter dog shit on that side of the, the the ball. No two ways about it. By the end of the year, looking pretty damn good when it's all said and done. They talked about the number of pass. T- I, I talked about Not they. Don't want to use the royal they there. That was me. Hand up. I made a dum-dum there talking about the Chiefs defense. Thought they couldn't hold up against Joe Burrow. And what did they do? They made me look foolish. And now, got Legeria Sneed back back there. Um, all of that stuff. And... In the playoffs, they've forced multiple turnovers in each matchup with three interceptions and a forced fumble recovery. They're coming off grabbing two interceptions versus the undis- and, and undisputable top five quarterback in Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game. Jalen Hurts is a damn good at avoiding turnovers, but this Chiefs defense will test that ability with their opportunistic play. I guarantee you that just one interception in this game, just one for the Chiefs, would be a huge Huge, game-changing win. I'll be watching to see if this opportunistic Chiefs defense can get the job done in that aspect. If they do, all it's going to take is one for Pat Mahomes to probably get an advantage in this one. The Eagles' defense is damn good. I just don't think anyone's good enough to stop Pat Mahomes when it's all said and done, especially when he's got a solid offensive line in front of him, which he does this time around. Wasn't the case when I think they played the Patriots back in the day, but either way, looking forward to seeing... What Steve Spagnolo has in in store for Jalen Hurts in this one up next. Moving on to the next uh matchup here, marquee matchup of the day. And I'm looking at here on from the Chiefs' defense perspective, uh Trent McDuffie and Legerious Sneed, probably more on Lejerius Sneed and, and, and company, not just the corners there, versus AJ Brown. Building off that last point with the Chiefs secondary facing Jalen Hurts. The Chiefs' entire defensive game plan could be rendered useless. And I mean utterly useless if A.J. Brown comes out and just dominates against Trent McDuffie or Lejarius Sneed, who he will likely see early and often more on Legereus Sneed. I drafted this up thinking that Lejarius Sneed wasn't playing, but likely with a safety over top either way, no matter who's playing him. Um... Cleared concussion protocol, though, did Lejarius Sneed, so he will likely get the bulk of the reps over McDuffie in this matchup. Not that either of them is probably going to be able to stay in in front of A.J. Brown by themselves, but being the veteran Lejarius Sneed, I think he's more well-equipped to uh, take this matchup than the young rookie at this point. Not that McDuffie won't get there, but he's maybe a little bit not ready for this just yet. Let Legereus Sneed take those reps. Sorry, Drafted this outline uh, without complete knowledge. Whoopsies! Um, If A.J. Brown is still an absolute beast out there getting wide open for Jalen Hurts to hit him down the field uh, for big plays, it's not going to really matter how effective the Chiefs are at stopping the Eagles' running attack. And they'll get down the goal line with big chunk plays. And even God himself getting in the wedge formation, not in the wedge formation, but getting in the middle of the defensive line, giving the strength of God to those defensive linemen. Not even God himself would be able to stop the QB sneak play for the Philadelphia Eagles. I just gushed about it earlier about how unstoppable the damn thing is. I swear to God, you could put God, Jesus, and all the archangels in the front line there, and they would still get a yard and a half every single time with the Eagles against that front of, of angels and, and spirits with unlimited energy behind them. Not to mention, if A.J. Brown starts to get loose, all of a sudden, your secondary is playing, they're they're paying less and less attention to Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, and Quez Watkins, who can all hurt you in their own rights. Dallas Goddard, I've said before, and I'll say it, I'll say it till the cows come home. He is low-key a top three tight end in the league right now. It's probably Kelsey. Kittle when he's not injured, and then Dallas Goddard at three. Maybe Dallas Goddard is at number two right now. He's that goddamn good. Devontae Smith, we all know what he is, burner. Quez Watkins, burner in his own right. Next thing you know, you've held the Eagles to under four yards per carry, but lo and behold, they're burning you down the field because holes just keep on opening up on the back end, you just can't stop it. Ultimately... They'll have a terrible yard per carry average, but just like the Niners game, they'll end up with three or four touchdowns just because their red zone goal line running attack is just that lethal no matter what you do. That's all if A.J. Brown starts getting loose. If the Chiefs want to execute an effective game plan, they have to make sure that A.J. Brown is contained. The other receivers obviously present their own set of issues, but Brown is the guy that gets this thing cracking for everybody else if he if you stop him everyone else becomes a little bit easier to defend if he's running loose it's going to be a long long day for you easier said than done but you got to find a way to make it happen perhaps the Chiefs can even use this this knowledge to their advantage A.J. Brown is the guy that that Jalen Hurts wants to go to obviously Devontae Smith made that catch early in the first quarter versus the uh the the 49ers uh last time out that really changed things but when he's throwing those deep balls, he really, really wants to go to A.J. Brown a lot of the time. I think you can use that knowledge to your advantage uh, when it comes to this. Um, you can disguise that double team a little bit, make it look like you got a one-on-one opportunity from time to time. Maybe you can use that to bait Jalen Hurts into throwing one right into Justin Reed's breadbasket. You get a turnover there, and like I said, all it takes is one. All it takes is one, and that's, that's really all the advantage Pat Mahomes will probably need in this one. Either way... I'm not enough of an X's and O's guys, quite, X's and O's guy, quite frankly, uh, to actually lay out specifics here. I just know that AJ Brown will kill you if you let him. I don't, doesn't take a genius to figure out that you just can't leave AJ Brown, uh, one on one. Hell, even a double team, he will beat from time to time and still burn you down the sideline if you let him. Also, just a a quick shout out to to Starkville high school's 2015 state championship team. Um, Having both AJ Brown on offense and Willie fucking gay on defense. That's a scary fucking high school team right there. And that was right across the town from me when I was over in Stark Vegas, living my best debaucherous life there in sophomore year. These guys were out there balling across town in high school, probably having a time of their life that way. And, god damn it Dan Mullen why could you not shake A.J. Brown's hand quote-unquote a little bit more I mean sure it was Hugh Freeze on the other side you know what shake my hand a little bit more means but probably would have led to NCAA violations but god damn that was that was that was the defense that had Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, and Willie Gay on actually was it was it? no 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 it was Jonathan Abrams so I think they came in right out there either way such a good defense such a good defense if you just if you just had the offense, although I can't blame him. I think that was when we had more head in town and uh, yeah, that didn't work out too well. Had some, had some character issues in there. So I understand it. I understand it from AJ Brown's perspective, but goddamn, goddamn, man. Also, I said, Dan Mullen. I don't even, I don't even remember at this point. I'm, I'm losing my goddamn mind. I'll tell you what, but what could have been, what could have been if AJ Brown came to town? Uh, either way, marquee matchup of the day for the Eagles defense. That is CJ Gardner, Johnson, And whoever else happens to help him out versus Travis Kelsey. Even CJ Gardner Johnson is not good enough to do it all by himself. CJ Gardner Johnson has been the consistent answer for all the Eagles' uh, defensive problems when it comes to tight ends, though. With him on the field, they've shut down most comers. I mean, Evan Ingram got his hands, got these hands, rather, back in October with just one catch, 16 yards, absolutely got bodied back there. Zach Ertz was held to without a touchdown and under ten yards per uh, catch in the very next game. T.J. Hawkinson held just four receptions, thirty-eight yards in Week One. So C.J. Gardner-Johnson is the guy you want to take up the mantle for this job. But at the same time, ain't none of those guys in the level of Travis Kelsey. Quite frankly, I love I love Hawk, love T.J. Hawkinson, probably in the top five tight ends in the game right now but there's just no contest with kelsey I, honestly i love hock but i think dallas goddard might be a little bit better and that's just a challenge to tj Hawkinson. maybe you can be better and we can win a championship next year man i'm just i'm out here to motivate i'm just out here to serve the people but the fact of the matter is Pat holmes invariably puts the fear of god in opposing defenses but Travis Kelsey is really the only individual receiver that will keep you up at night. Quite frankly, I'm not. I'm not too worried about MVS. Not too worried about Juju. I think Kadarius Tony is out. Nicole Hardman just went back on the IR. As it seems like tradition at this point, they brought back Clyde Edwards-Helaire, but I don't know how that's going to help your your receiver issues out there. It's basically just Kelsey and a bunch of guys that benefit when Kelsey does very very well. So. He's the not-so-secret weapon that basically lets the Chiefs passing offense operate any way they want to. You want to stretch the field? Cool. Travis Kelsey will draw down extra help underneath to open up some space for Juju and MVS on the outside. Hey, you want to go short methodical game? We can do that as well. You, When you, you get to third and medium, guess who is somehow always going to find a way open beyond the sticks? It's Travis Kelsey right there. He's not so much the weapon in run blocking that a guy like, say, George Kittle might be, but he's serviceable in that role, which allows him the flexibility to do all the things that the Chiefs really want to do with him on the field. Being the skeleton keys, to just unlocked the secondary. Uh, that they every single secondary that they face pretty much, that's his role when he's out there. A lot like Taysom Hill, but better than Taysom Hill, quite frankly. So how do you go about containing the pass-catching tight end uh, that is the best one in the entire NFL right now? Well, the only teams that had a reasonable amount of success seem to take the approach of, we'll give you anything under five to seven yards, but you ain't getting nothing after the catch. You you ain't going to break one against us. Kelsey's least productive outings, uh, yardage-wise, came with fairly decent numbers of catches like six seven catches but really low yards per reception on average so main thing the Eagles and CJ Gardner Johnson in particular have to do is keep Kelsey in front of them not allow him to sneak up the seam on what for one of those classic like Kittle-esque 25 yard chunk plays that basically any tight end can do if they got the skills and uh, the patience to do it also if they got a good enough offensive coordinator which I think Andy Reid checks that box, quite frankly, but make him catch the ball short of the sticks. Don't let him get behind you. Don't let him sneak behind you and swarm to him to limit the yards after the catch. Sure, that could still end up like the Raiders back in week five, who held Catchy to not catchy, held held Kelsey to 25 yards on seven catches, but he grabbed four touchdowns in the process. But At the very least, you're not going to get burned down the field in this strategy, which is really all you can ask for when it's all said and done. If the Eagles can limit Kelsey, I think Darius Slay and James Bradbury are more than capable of sticking to Juju and MVS on the outside. You just got to shut down Travis Kelsey. Easier said than done, uh, quite frankly. We all know that, but interesting to watch how that all plays out. Mahomes still may render that victory moot because he's just that damn special might just put it between your ear eyes just throw it through your head uh viscera and all uh travis kelsey will probably catch it they just got that kind of uh chemistry when it's all said and done but If you stick to Kelsey, it will undoubtedly make every other throw a little bit harder to complete. Eagle Secondary just needs one or two slightly errant passes uh, at that point to force a turnover, possibly give the team a game-altering advantage at that point. Turnover's the name of the game. They're the low-key battle that you can't really control, but it basically wins uh, every contest you look at. But... With that deluge of information out there, we're through the big time matchup talk here. Let's take a look at the uh, the lines and see what opportunities we can find out there real quick. And uh, personally, because it makes a lot of it helps give a lot of context in this case i'm looking at the super bowl odds on fanduel sportsbook your 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 chosen sportsbook might be a little bit different fanduel was the one to hit me with the best promo at the time so i just took them can i find the super bowl my goodness i'm i'm just blind anyways uh line right now I'm not sure what the percentage of money is. I think the Eagles still have like 70-some percent of the money. Uh Started out the Eagles were an underdog. I think they were like plus one and a half. Now they're minus one and a half. Chiefs are plus one and a half. Minus 110 on both of those. So I don't think... I think that probably is going to stay pretty static unless we get some late big money on one of these sides, as is always the case, but plus one and a half right now for the Chiefs, minus one and a half for the Eagles. Uh, money line is minus one 122 for the Eagles, if you feel strongly about that. I mean, not a bad little one to throw in the parlay. Um, 50 and a half at, at the over-under. I'll tell you this right now folks, I may not make it an official pick or whatnot. Um 50 and a half is a tasty little morsel. It's at minus 115 right now and the odds a little bit of juice there, so indicates there might be a bump up of a point or two there. I would get in on that one early because fifty and a half sounds like a very, very low number. I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer the over in this one. I'll give you my pick on the game here in just a little bit because I do have a very I have a clear-minded pick in this one. I'm not being very ambiguous. It's a it's a tough one, but I got no bones about who I'm picking in this one. Either way, though, this is gonna be a fun over. This is gonna be a fun game. I find it hard to see this one not having a lot of points scored. 50 and a half, I'm taking that one. Um, as far as the touchdown props are concerned, uh, Travis Kelsey at minus one twenty makes a lot of sense. He's just a touchdown machine, and he's just he's been the one consistent receiver that catches a bajillion balls a game in the postseason. So I got no problems with that. Jalen Hurts at plus one hundred. I mean, j- just as like, just as a bet in general, if they get down on the goal line. There's a better than 50% chance that Jalen Hurts is going to convert that and get a touchdown. So, plus 100. You're getting plus money for a Jalen Hurts touchdown. I'll take that any day of the week. Miles Sanders at plus 120. Hmm, that's an interesting one. I I don't hate that one, quite frankly. I mean, at plus 120, I like the value there. It's, It's not... Not too long of odds that makes me think that Vegas knows something I don't, but maybe that's just a flaw in the way I think of things. But plus 120, not bad for a Miles Sanders touchdown. I think that one kind of, I don't know, I'm a little bit spooked by Chris Jones, even if uh, Chris Jones in the split backfield back there. You don't know who's going to get the the touchdowns on any given day. Miles Sanders has been the most productive, but that's still no guarantee he's going to end up getting uh, the biggest um, touchdown numbers or get a touchdown at all. Either way, plus 120, I don't hate that one, but I'm probably staying away. A.J. Brown at plus 120 as well. Hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to A.J. Brown, like I said. so In in theory, I think A.J. Brown would be the most likely receiver to score, which makes sense as to why he's got those odds there. Uh, Best odds as far as Eagles receivers to score a touchdown. But also, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to him. It's going to open up opportunities for other guys. I see Devontae Smith over there at plus 165. I'm thinking maybe. I'm thinking a big old maybe on Devontae Smith. That's that's one that, of all of the guys in this game, Devontae Smith is the one that I think Going to be a lot of attention paid to A.J. Brown. They're going to brag at him as much as possible. Devontae Smith's going to get a one-on-one at some point. What does he do with that? I think he can burn a guy. I think he can go deep. I think he can obviously go deep. He can get a touchdown on this one. I like him probably the most to get a receiving touchdown. Uh, Dallas Goddard, also low-key. I like him a lot. Of plus 175 to score a touchdown. I mean... I love Willie Gay, I, I love Nick Bolton, I think they're absolute jackhammers in the running game, I think they leave a little bit to be desired in the passing game, and I think Justin Reed's going to have his hands full with bracket coverage over top of... Jesus Christ, who's the, who's the guy? Travis Kelsey, my goodness, I'm running on a few here, folks, but... I think Dallas Goddard's going to have some opportunities there. He might score one. I would. I don't hate that one. I'm probably not going to bet on it myself. But at plus one seventy five, you could do a whole lot worse. Uh, Jarek McKinnon at plus plus one seventy five. I mean, I guess. I guess, man. I. I I'm. I'm. I'm kind of staying away from that one. The the touchdown streak is kind of cooled off. Uh, defenses have caught on to it. The the Eagles' linebacking core, though, they do need to make improvements in the offseason, season. But very good this year. TJ Edwards has been in very good this year. Uh, stepped up very I mean, enough to where N'Kobe Dean couldn't even get on the field. And I thought he was one of the best linebackers in all of football. Not all of football, but all of college football uh, last season when he was with Georgia. Um we'll see. I don't I don't necessarily love Jerick McKinnon at the at plus one seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Um after this you get to a lot of long shots. I, I guess Kadarius Can- Tony still has odds to score a touchdown, so I guess he is playing. Um don't necessarily love that, that prop there at plus three seventy. I mean, it's all it's all plus two hundred or, or more at this point. You get MVS at plus two fifty, uh Juju at plus two eighty, Kenneth Gainwell at, at plus three sixty, which by the way, I think they're gonna get a lot of um, opportunities out of the backfield. Again, if you want to look at guys who are gonna be directly covering, the linebackers on the the running backs out of the backfield, again, I talk about the maybe not the greatest coverage skills from Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Kenneth Gainwell can really take advantage of that, and I've heard from, this is basically just ripping off of uh, Stanford Steve's uh, uh, tip here, he seems to be very good in the daily fantasy side of these things, but as far as the props are concerned, my goodness, what am I even doing? Well, let's look at uh, Kenneth Gainwell's receiving props right now, I think they might still be relatively low at this point, oh, I haven't set lines, haven't, haven't set lines yet, I, I suppose, actually wait. Maybe they did. Oh yes, they did. They just changed the format. My bad. Um, either way, we have got actually no prop on Kenneth Gainwell. It is just this is just a disaster here. But whatever his receiving prop is, I I would take the over on that. I mean, there's just props galore in this one. My goodness. But um, let's get back. Let's get back on point. I need to get you all a long shot as far as the touchdowns are concerned. So. Talked about Kenneth Gainwell, Kadarius Tony at plus three seventy. Sure, take a flyer if you want there. Pat Mahomes at plus four ninety. Nah, I'm not. me maybe he does it, but I'm not. I'm not really betting money on that one. Um, let's see who we got here as far as long shot. I'm not really sure if there's anyone. Quez Watkins, always a good long shot in my book. As far plus seven fifty. Again, a lot of coverage probably going to be shifted over to AJ Brown. Other coverage probably going to be shifted to Devontae Smith, though there's going to be more opportunities there for him as well. Quez Watkins going to have one-on-ones. I guarantee he's going to have one-on-ones. Maybe that's with Trent McDuffie, which would be to his detriment. But at the same time, I think there's an opportunity that Quez Watkins gets deep and scores a touchdown. So plus plus 750, not a bad little flyer there. Um, Outside of that, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at plus 1,000. Maybe I don't know. He said he hasn't played in a long time. I'm not really sure he's going to get a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of burn there. Um, did I just skip over Isaiah Pacheco? I did. It. Plus one thirty five. As far as props on the Chiefs go, that's probably my favorite. As far as the, the touchdown, uh, as far as the the touchdown scores, anytime touchdown scores goes. Isaiah Pacheco at plus 135, I like that. I think he's going to have a whole lot of success against this Eagles rushing defense. I think he's going to run, maybe not at will, but he's going to get a, a very good yard per clip average. And if they get down on the goal line, I think that Isaiah Pacheco is going to punch one in uh, if they get down in that area. So at plus 135, love that. L- love that with all my heart and soul. But uh, let's look at some interesting props here. I really haven't done a whole lot of research on this beforehand. Um so maybe I shouldn't even go into it, but whatever. We're just gonna do it anyways. Passing props. Well, I mean, let's let's just see what Pat Mahomes uh pass TDs at uh, oh over under one and a half. I don't know. Do I really need to get this far into things? I don't. I don't necessarily love all the the props and whatnot. Will Pat Mahomes throw a second quarter touchdown? I don't. I don't know. I don't care about that. Not a fig. Um, either way, though, there you have it. Those are the lines. Most important thing is the game line itself. Plus one and a half for the Chiefs. Minus one and a half for the the other team they're playing, the Eagles. My goodness. Again, just just sputtering into the finish here. But what do we have here? After all of that, who do you got? Who do I got in particular this is a damn tough game to pick, quite frankly. If we're gonna if we're going off roster construction, Eagles clearly have the edge. I mean, they got the better they got, they got the better offensive line, better receivers, better running backs, a comparable tight end with Dallas Goddard being maybe being the most underrated tight end in the league. Better defensive line, better secondary. You get it. A lot of areas where they're better than the Chiefs in. The problem is a man by the name of Patrick Maha Levon Mahomes, the second, and that one man makes this game basically a toss-up in my mind. If if any defense can slow him down, it's the Eagles with, with that secondary best in the league as far as I'm concerned. But the Eagles secondary has not faced a challenge like Pat Mahomes this year, and they won't cha- face a challenge like him again, well, by default because th- it's the last game of the year. But I think the Eagles will get theirs on defense every so often. But that will come with Pat Mahomes getting his just as frequently, if not more often. And with that in mind... My heart is with the Eagles, even though it's really not being a Vikings fan. We've got history there. But my mind, my mind just can't bring me to pick against Pat. Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second, deserves a full name. Give me the Chiefs with their second Super Bowl. Fuck the people. Fuck the 75%. The Chandeliers in Vegas were built, were built on big old odds like this, big old money on the other side of things. Give me the Chiefs in this one. Give me the Chiefs to win their second Super Bowl with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes era to officially ring in a new dynasty in the NFL, one that may last for a long, long time after this. And with that, enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. That's it's it's the last quality football we're gonna see for a long, long time, and it's. It's going to be depressing afterwards. Just enjoy this. Savor this lead-up. Savor, savor this anticipation we're about to have. Savor every moment of the Super Bowl. because It's going to be over. It's going to be over abruptly on Sunday night. I just can't wait for this game, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm out of here for, for the week, though. Also, on the way out the door not a whole lot of time to get to it since we went so in-depth with the Super Bowl I mean look what what do we got as far as time I mean hour seven maybe not as long as some of the other ones but I'm kind of trying to keep this a little bit more uh concise I suppose but um might as well hit this on the way out the door Steve Wilkes will be the new defensive coordinator for the 49ers no surprise there but might as well throw it in to make it official you know fresh info is fresh um I don't expect much of a drop off from the 49ers defense this season. This is a damn good hire. I think he's, he's got, I mean, as far as from the, the people that watch the film and are very smart, it obviously seems like a very good scheme fit. Seems like he could, he's got a, you know, I mean, with the tools he's got, I find it hard to see that Steve Wilkes is going to call anything below a top five unit next year at the very worst, maybe a top 10 unit. I mean, that's just how good the 49ers are. And I don't expect them to be a whole lot worse. Um, also, uh, another rapid fire NFL news, all a couple rapid fire NFL things, Titans hire internally, uh, promote Tim Kelly to offensive coordinator. I think he was passing game coordinator. I think Charles London gets promoted to passing game corner or, uh, passing game coordinator, quarterback coach. I can't remember exactly which one, uh, we'll, we're just going to move on before I confuse all of us any further. Also Derek Carr visiting the saints. Um, I believe today as I'm recording this, um, only place Derek Carr has been granted permission to visit thus far. According to Albert Breer, this is similar to the Sean Payton situation. Uh, he didn't say that. I'm saying that. But I'm it, I'm saying that in the context of Breer saying uh, trade compensation had to be agreed on before Derek Carr was given permission to visit. So, Mickey Loomis and I think it's Ziggler over there with the... With, um, with with the Raiders at this point, um, already came to at least an understanding of what the deal would look like. They'll hammer out the specific later, but they understand what the compensation will look like. So, um, apparently the contract is the sticking point at this point. That's why he is visiting the Saints. I'm sure the Cap Wizards who work for Mickey Loomis are hard at work putting together a reconstruction uh, offer. Um, if the visit on Wednesday goes well it feels like Derek Carr could be a Saint soon though I think it would be sooner rather than later because there's a better than not chance that he ends up being cut if this deal ends up falling through and then the Saints would just have to vie for him in free agency like everybody else which would be crazy you don't necessarily see quarterbacks like Derek Carr in free agency all that often as far as the talent is concerned he kind of ended slow at the end of last season but still very talented arm talent quarterback so Excuse me. Real quick as well, shout out to LeBron for becoming the NBA's all time leading scorer. I gave him shit the other day, but maybe it's you when it comes to constructing teams. You are not a GM, and I cannot stress that enough. You, the, LeBron, the GM, has cost uh, LeBron the player multiple championships, and you're not going to back me off of that take. But on the court, Michael Jordan is pretty much the only one that can hold a candle to him. Anyways, though, um, love LeBron James, I suppose. Well, loved him as a kid find him a little bit more insufferable as an adult still one of the greatest if not the greatest basketball player of all time so shout out there anyways that's all for this episode man I've made it through all the way to the end proud of me proud of you proud of all of us here if you made it this far if you enjoyed and if you made it this far why not subscribe to the five-star ratings so we can grow this bad boy a little bit share with a friend or not share with an enemy acquaintance just someone who will listen at the end of the day if you didn't enjoy it take that opinion to the grave because no one wants to hear it tell people you love it because people love positivity being put in the world my friend anyways we release two episodes a week um still yet to be seen what the second episode is going to look like in the offseason but we're working on it we're we're working on it just as is tradition i procrastinated to the last moment but you know what i'm gonna keep kicking that can down the road and figure that out when i cross that bridge um next week i suppose but Any additions or changes, I'll let you all know as they occur. Follow me on all the socials at Caleb Verzak. Link will be in the description, so you don't have to spell my fucked up Eastern Bloc name. Uh, If you want to contact the show, shoot me an email, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That is unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Or if you don't want to go through that rigmarole, just shoot me a DM, probably a lot easier on the old Twitter over there. Just put BUSINESS or SHOW in all caps in the subject line if you do decide to email me uh, so you can be categorized accordingly. Uh, Anyways, thank you for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got little to no clue what I'm talking about, sometimes more than others, but one thing I learned this week in the pursuit of knowledge, if you will, uh, menthol fires burn with no visible flame and no smoke. So, Much like Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights, a person can be on fire without anyone actually being able to see the invisible fire. And if you want a demonstration of this, I got a video down in the description, you're going to be very interested in here. Actually saw this very thing happen in that old stock car racing video I've linked to you down below on Twitter from, I believe, 81 it was. Probably one of the most horrifying times of that pit crew and driver's lives. But also, under the assumption that no one died or sustained life, life-altering life injuries or anything like that, under that assumption, we're in the trust tree here. Funny video. I mean, absolutely hilarious video to watch. I encourage all of you to watch it. Link to that particular video will be in the description for the curious few out there. Other than that, though, enjoy the Super Bowl, y'all. I will see you on Tuesday to recap all the action. Cannot wait for this one.